everybody to another week, another episode of Scriptures Revealed. We are continuing our journey this week of going through the book of Ephesians, and I am excited once again. I'm always excited about the Word of God. I'm excited about the power of the Word to change our minds, to save our souls, and to bring us into our future whole. That is the power of the Scriptures, and it's the power of the Word, that the Word has the ability not just to get you to the future, but it has the ability to get you to your future whole and complete. And that is why you can get to your future anointed. You can get to your future gifted. You can get to your uh, future talented and you can get to your future with great skill and ability. But the word of the Lord's job is to get us to our future as whole people. And the Bible says that I want you all to grow up into a complete man into a mature man. God wants us whole, complete, mature, perfected by the word of the Lord. And it is it is the, the ultimate job. The ultimate end goal of the word of the Lord is to perfect you. The ultimate end goal of the word of the Lord is to save the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. So if your mind is not is out of whack, if your emotions are unstable, if you are if your will is indecisive, it is because you are now grounded in enough word and enough scriptures that you need to be grounded in. It is the power of the word of God. We must maintain a hunger and a thirst for the word of the Lord. The Bible says, even in the book of Psalms, David said, when my life felt like that I was eating dust, it was the word of the Lord that revived me and brought life to me again. Uh, David understood. If we talk about David, who was a man after God's own heart, he was a man that understood that if I'm going to live according to the standards of God, I've got to be invested. I've got to be immersed. I've got to be submersed in the word of the Lord and that no matter what is going on in my life, if I ever need to be revived, I go to the scriptures. And so that is, again, the end goal of even this podcast, Scriptures Revealed. The point of the scriptures being revealed to you is to bring you to life and to bring you to life in a whole way. God is trying to get out of you a level of wholeness and he wants you immersed and drenched in the word of the Lord to guarantee and to assure how whole you are going to be for your future. So that's just a free admonition to you all as we are continuing this journey. I want you to be excited and I want you to forever be hungry for the scriptures of the Lord to be revealed to you. So again, we are continuing our journey through the book of Ephesians. This has been a delight and we are going to uh, move all the way to verse 14 today and we're going to conclude our series within the series of course we're journeying through the book of Ephesians but we've been doing a three-part series on kingdom naturalization and what we've been talking about is how when we get to Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14 it is not just a list of blessings or a list of Christian benefits or Christian advantages uh, whatever you want to call them but it is actually unfolding for us the kingdom naturalization plan how it is it that God took you a sinner that was you were dying in your mess as a matter of fact you weren't dying the Bible says you were dead in your sins you were dead in your trespasses and how did God take a dead sinner and make a dead sinner a child of God a child of the king a citizen and the nation of Jesus Christ and the process that he did that God had all all played a part in this God the father played a part we learn in part one of this that God's part was that he uh, chose us 
before the foundation of the world. So he chose us, he predestined us, and he accepted us. That was his part in the naturalization process. We learned last week in part two that Jesus, the son, had a part in naturalizing us into citizenship of the kingdom of God or the nation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' job in that series, we went through uh, those verses. It was verse 7 through verse 11, I think we got through. Maybe it was verse 12. Yeah, it was verse 11 that we got through and we learned that uh, Jesus' part in the process was that he redeemed us and that uh, not only and we learned the power, the beauty of redemption and all of that uh, entailed for us. And we also talked about how not only did he redeem us, but he made known to us the mystery of his will. And uh, he also made us a part of the heritage of the Lord. And so we learned those things in part one, two uh, and one and two. And today we're going to learn and embark on discovery what the Holy Spirit's job is and naturalizing us into the nation of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to conclude this series. Now, I want to give you a heads up. Now, after we finish with today, next week, I am doing a special edition teaching before we get into this wonderful prayer in Ephesians chapter one. We're going to start that prayer. I want to start it at the top of the month in May. So next week, I'm going to do a special teaching entitled the Royal Family. And I'm going to show you something beautiful about you and in regards to the Godhead and how we relate and how we are family, how we are part and what, what that actually means and how the, the uh, spirit of this age and even the new age doctrine has come and twisted and perverted the gospel when the beauty of it is in the gospel. The beauty of its reality is in the fact that we are part of the royal family. The, the Godhead is a family and we are part of the royal family. Does it make us God? Does it make us divine? So don't go off on that heresy, but it does enlighten us about a beautiful truth of being accepted into the royal family. So we're going to talk about that next week as we conclude this week on the Holy Spirit's job, his part, his assignment, and naturalizing us into the nation of Jesus Christ. All right, so now that we got those uh, preliminaries out, let us, ju- let us jump right on into the scriptures. We pick, we stopped at um, verse 11 last week, and I'll just reread that verse. It says, we have also received an inheritance in him. In other words, we learned last week that not only did we receive an inheritance, we became an inheritance in him or in the nation of Jesus Christ, or we became the heritage of the Lord in the nation of Jesus Christ, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. I love that. Now, this is just a sidebar for you. I want us to pay attention to the fact that Paul says that God works out everything in agreement with the purpose, with the purpose or the decision of his will, with the purpose of his will. Some of you need to be encouraged. I'm really feeling a real uh, <laughs> prophetic uh, lean and weight on the teaching today because I really feel like that, that you, some of you that are listening need to be confident in the fact that every decision God is making about your life and everything that God is working in your life is in agreement with his decision 
according to his will. It is the decision of his will. Nothing that God is working is outside of his will for you. That you are not off target. You are not off track. You are right where you need to be. And the enemy likes to use time to beat people over the head. To make you think you're in a race against time. But the most liberating thing you can do is realize that time is not your enemy. Time is a servant to what God is working in your life. Time is serving God's work in you. That's what it's doing. It's not an enemy. Don't don't fight against it. Don't wrestle against it. But, but realize that it is a servant to the plans and the purposes of God. It is serving God's work in you. Let God, the Bible, that's why the Bible says in James, let patience have her perfect and complete work because God is perfecting things in you. Time is not against you. It is serving the work of God in you. So that's free. That's free for you to have. Now we're jumping in verse 12 here so that we who had already put our hope in the messiah might bring praise to his glory i love now i actually love i actually am going to switch over translations because i want to go back to the esv because i just love that uh that's so much y'all gonna hear my pages turning but that's okay <laughs> go to ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12 and in the esv says so that we who were the first to hope in christ might be to the praise of his glory and him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, before we get into the work of the Holy Spirit here, I want us to pay attention to this. It says uh, that we were the first to hope in Christ. He's in verse 12. Paul is talking about himself and other Jews who believed in Christ. He says that we were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, which, which means we find it in Romans. We see it in Ephesians. We see it in Galatians. We see it in Colossians that uh, the phrase to the Jew first and also to the Greek that the Jews were not just a people that God wanted to bless alone. It was those that God blessed first. It was those that God used as an example for the nation of Jesus Christ. When, if you go back to the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy, you even learn and gain insight into why God even chose the nation of Israel. The Bible says that God didn't choose Israel in the beginning because they were big or because they were great or they were so wonderful. Watch this. You're going to learn something very interesting about the selection and the choosing of the Lord. So God says, I didn't choose this nation because they were so big, they were so great, and they were so wonderful, and they deserved to be chosen. I chose them actually because they were the least among them, and they were the most unqualified. And they were the ones overlooked and they were the ones that people thought would not succeed. And I chose a people and gathered a people together that other people had overlooked and over people had overstepped because I wanted to showcase my grace, my mercy, my kindness, my uh, power, my majesty, my splendor in them. And that is the same reason why God has chosen you. He didn't choose you because you were great. So stop beating yourself up when you are imperfect because that's not why he chose you. He didn't choose you because you were perfect. He didn't choose you because you were so wonderful. So when times and moments that you have that are just not as wonderful, it's okay. It does not change the choosing of the Lord. And it doesn't change his desire and his pleasure and his delight of you. Because God didn't choose you because you were wonderful. He chose you because you weren't wonderful. He chose you because you were imperfect. He chose you because you were unqualified. And you get to showcase the majesty and the splendor of God. 
that God will choose the unqualified to showcase his ability and his power and his might in a vessel that even though you aren't qualified for this, I am your God and I will qualify the unqualified and I will perfect the imperfect and I will mold those that look like that they are out for the count. And that is the beauty of the choosing of the Lord. So that's all Paul is saying in verse 12. He's saying, hey, it's to us first as the example, as the example that the the qualifications, the only qualification you need to be chosen by God and to have God put his hand on your life is to be unqualified. <laughs> that is amazing. That 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 is a part of the beauty of the gospel. The only qualification you need for God to use you, for God to save you, for God to bless you, for God to open things. The, the only qualification you need is to be unqualified, and it is your realization of the fact that you are unqualified is what makes you rise up in faith and accept the gracious gift of God. So that's all Paul is saying in verse twelve. Now, verse 13, it says in him or in the nation of Jesus Christ, you also believe when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him. Now, pay attention to this phraseology. Paul is saying you heard the word of truth. Listen to his synonym for the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. Listen for the synonym for the gospel of your salvation. And you believed in him. You believed who is him? Christ. So watch this, the word of truth. So what is truth? Truth is the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus Christ. Get that to you again. What is truth? If you go to uh, John, the gospel of John, and Jesus is standing before Pilate, and, and, and Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? He wanted to know what is truth, and Jesus only uh, disclosed and unveiled himself. When uh, he, In other words, Pilate wanted to know, what is this message you are preaching? What is this gospel you are preaching? If you also read in the gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He said, I am truth. So watch this. People who go around, if you're going to be biblically sound, people People who act like truth is uh, subjective to whoever is talking is not you're not being accurate about it. Truth is Jesus. So anything outside of Jesus is not truth. It may be factual. It may be the reality you live in, but your reality may not be truth and your fact may not be truth because all truth finds its essence, finds its origin in Jesus Christ. So I am everything that Christ is. The Bible says over in first John that as he is so are we in this world that's true that's truth about me that's the truth about you as he is so are you in this world that is the truth now what is what is also the truth it is the gospel the gospel is jesus christ that's why when you read through the book of acts when the saints preached the gospel people got healed when the when the apostles preached the gospel demons came out of people when the apostles preached the gospel uh spiritual warfare was done when the apostles preached the gospel whole cities went into revival and yet today, when we hear people preach the gospel, the only thing we see accomplished is people realize that their sins are forgiven. But that is because we're not preaching the gospel. We're not preaching the gospel until Jesus Christ is revealed. How, why do I know? How do I know that's the gospel? Because 
I, I'm reading the script, the gospel. The Bible says that Philip, the evangelist, he went and preached Christ. That was the gospel. And how do, when you preach the gospel for real, Christ shows up. That's why the Bible says that I want you to go into all the nations and preach the gospel and I'm going to confirm my word with signs following. What are the signs? The signs of the gospel is the manifestation of Jesus Christ. How do I know the gospel is being preached? Because wherever Jesus was, healings took place. And, and wherever Jesus was, deliverance took place. Wherever Jesus was, the prophetic was there. Wherever Jesus was, cities turned upside down. Wherever Jesus was, the religious system was upset. That is, those are the manifestations of the gospel being preached. So, we gotta move on. But that is, that is the power and the, and, and the reality and the essence of what the gospel is. Now watch this. In this verse, it says, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, I'm going to spend the last uh, 10 minutes of this broadcast going through what the Holy Spirit did to naturalize us into the nation of Jesus Christ. And the scriptures say here that he sealed us. With the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit sealed you. How do you know that you've been naturalized into the nation of Jesus Christ? Is because you carry the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about being sealed by something, that, that word seal has six different functions to it. So I'm going to go through and give you these functions of being sealed. Number one. To be sealed by the Holy Spirit, a seal gave a proof of authenticity, okay? It gave proof of authenticity. So what does the Holy Spirit do to naturalize us into the nation of Jesus Christ? Is the Holy Spirit is the proof that we are authentic citizens. That's what it means to be sealed or to be marked by the Holy Spirit. But that's why the Bible says over in the book of Romans that you have the Holy Spirit. You know, we have a doctrine that says that if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, that you're not saved. No, you can be saved and not baptized and not immersed in it. But you, you cannot be saved and not have the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost to seal you, to mark you, to give you your proof of authenticity to give you your proof that you are authentically a citizen in the nation of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Number two, what a seal does, a seal is the formal ratification of a transaction. Now we talked about a transaction a couple of weeks ago because we learned that redemption is a transaction. It is a transaction. What the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, in the life of a citizen of the nation of Jesus Christ, what the Holy Spirit does is that he confirms that redemption has truly taken place in your life. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. That is why we need the Holy Spirit, a part of our lives, because he's going to confirm that you've been redeemed. You know what that redeemed is talked about a distinction, a division between you and what's not like God, a division between light and darkness, a division between unclean and clean. So the Holy Spirit is going to come along and confirm that, hey, you are redeemed. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to say, put that down, pick this up, take this off, put this on. Don't go there. 
there, go over here because he is confirming your salvation. He's going to say, I don't want you to say that because you sound like the world. I want you to sing this because you should sing and sound like the rest of the citizens and the nation of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is coming along to ratify and to confirm and to validate the fact that yes, you have been redeemed. That is why without the Holy Ghost, your conversion experience, your naturalization experience is not formally ratified. It has not been confirmed without the Holy Ghost. Number three, number three about being sealed with the Holy Spirit is that it is the preservation of books and security. I love this. This is going to bless you. The Holy Spirit as a seal is it is the preservation of books and security. The Bible says over in Psalms uh, 139, I believe it is, that the Lord has a book in heaven about your life. As a citizen in the nation of Jesus Christ, every citizen has a book in that nation. That nation has a library. There's a national library in the nation of Jesus Christ. And in that national library is a book with your name on it. In that book are the details of God's plans and purposes and intents for your life. I love this. This is going to bless you. As a matter of fact, let me go over it. We got a little bit of time before I went out of time. I want to, I want to actually read that. Let's go to, uh, Psalm 139 because I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Psalm 139. Uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful book. You should take the time to read the whole, um, to read the whole psalm. Um, but it says here, uh, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made. This is verse 15. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I love that this reveals the the honor and the value that the psalmist had on the thoughts of God because the psalmist understood that there was a book. That's what he said. Go back and look at that. Look at Psalms 1 and 39. It says, in your book, in your book, it was written to me. That's verse 16. In your book was written every one, of, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them, which means before I was born, there was a book on my life, on my days, and these days were formed for me. You're not living uh, by happenstance. Every day has been formed for you, which means God has loaded every day with surprises for you, with tests for you, with challenges from you, for you, with rewards for you, with moments of celebrate. Every day has been formed for you. If you would wake up with the, realiza- with the realization that you are awakening into a day that has been formed for you, the odds are not against you because the day has been formed for you. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what it looks like. The day has been formed and it's been written down in a book. Now, if you connect that to what Psalms uh, 139 with Ephesians, 
And with the Holy Spirit being a seal, you're going to learn that he is the preservation of the books and security. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is the one that is securing your future. The Holy Ghost is the one that is making sure that what God thinks about you and what God has planned for you will come to pass. The Holy Spirit is going to make sure that you stay on track. You stay in in the timing of God. You stay in the pace of God. He is the seal of God on the book of your future and the book of your destiny. He will preserve that for you. That's, That's a part of the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Number four, sealing was a badge of deputized authority, which means that a part of the seal of the Holy Spirit, how do you know that you've been naturalized into the nation of Jesus Christ? Is because every citizen in that nation, every citizen has been given a degree and a level of authority that you must, that's why the Bible says that believers, these are, when uh, look at, at Mark 16, Mark 16 is going to give us what the believers have as citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ. That's all it's given us. What what believers have. Watch this. It says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What, what is the gospel? Proclaim Jesus. Proclaim Christ. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So this is what the Holy Ghost does as a, as a part of his sealing on citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ is that he gives you deputized authority to cast out demons. How do I know that you are a part of the kingdom of God in the nation of Jesus Christ is because the Holy Spirit gives you the authority to cast devils out. The Holy Spirit gives you the authority to be baptized in him so that you have the evidence of speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the authority to pick up serpent. Don't no deadly thing is going to hurt you. No deadly poison is going to kill you. And the Holy Spirit authorizes you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Lay hands on sick and see the healing power of God manifested. That is a part of the deputized authority that the Holy Spirit gives because he is the seal. He has sealed you as a citizen. I think that's number four. Number five is that closed doors were often sealed. That, so a part of the sealing of the Holy Ghost is he closes doors. He closes old seasons. He closes the door on the old you. That's why the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, in other words, therefore, if any man be in the nation of Jesus Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What is that? That is a part of the work of the Holy Spirit to make old things pass away and to make all things new. If you want something new to manifest in your life, you've got to submit to the work of the Holy Ghost. You've got to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the final aspect of of being sealed of the Holy Spirit, number six, is that it was an official mark of ownership. The Lord owns you. Redemption is not just about getting you out of trouble, but it's about bringing you into a degree of being owned and submitted to the ownership of God Almighty. That is why we call him Lord. Not because it's it's great and the religious thing to say, but we call him Lord because he is my owner. He gets to call the shots. He gets to tell me what to do. He gets to tell me when to do it. He gets to tell me what, uh, uh, how to orchestrate and arrange my life. He is my Lord. So you, you know what hands? You do what the Lord say. You know what feet? You go where the Lord says. You know what mouth? You speak what the Lord says 
because he is my Lord. And, and how do I know he's my Lord? Because I have been sealed by the precious Holy Spirit. Final thing, and then I will let you all go for this week about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. We learned something very interesting, and we're going to talk more about it next week when we talk about the royal family. But I want you to understand that your inheritance is given to you by faith. As a citizen of the nation of Jesus Christ, not only are you an inheritance, but God gives you an inheritance. And you learn, you got to journey through the scriptures, look in the gospels, look in Galatians, look in Romans, look in Ephesians, look in Colossians, and you're going to uncover a glorious thing about this inheritance. And your inheritance is this. It's not houses. Your inheritance is not cars. Your inheritance is not more money. Your inheritance is not, you know, all the lavish things. This is your inheritance. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That even Romans talks about that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in you. Glory is the inheritance of kingdom citizens. Glory is the inheritance of the citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ. And what is the guarantee that glory is going to be manifested in you is the Holy Ghost. Paul said it in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, my little children, I travail in birth again for you until Christ be formed in you. What was Paul saying? I want you. I'm in travail. I'm in prayer. I'm in labor for it until you all come into the fullness of your inheritance. And the fullness of your inheritance is glory. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when you come into the fullness, yes, part of the inheritance is the glorification of our bodies. Yes, it is what's, what we're going to walk into in the future is to have glorified bodies. But the reason why we're going to have glorified bodies is because our inheritance is glory. Our inheritance is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the splendor, the hope of God's splendor being manifested in you. That's why Paul said, until Christ be formed in you, I want the splendor of God. To be showcased in your life. That's when God gets glory. When the splendor and the majesty and the weight of his wonder is showcased for people to behold the glory of God by looking at your life. And the guarantee or the down payment on it is the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? The Holy Ghost is the guarantee. The Holy Spirit is what is the guarantee that I'm going to manifest glory. If I want to, because I can't manifest glory without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, He's guaranteeing that I'm going to move into the fullness of that glory. If I stay submitted to Him, if I follow His leading, if I let Him guide me into all truth, then I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me into my inheritance. He's going to lead lead me into a glorified life, a life that exemplifies the splendor, the majesty, the wonder, the weight of his beauty in my life. That is your inheritance to showcase the glory of God. 
Well, guys, I am out of time again this week. I am so delighted that you all have journeyed with me and these three parts of learning kingdom naturalization and becoming a citizen in the nation of Jesus Christ. Don't forget to join me next week as we give, do a special edition teaching on kingdom naturalization, but talking about uh, the royal family and what that looks like, what it means for you, how it's going to bless and impact your life. And then the first part of May, we're going to continue journeying journey through chapter one and go through one of the most beautiful and power packed prayers there are there is in the bible and so then we're going to conclude so by the end of may guys we're finally going to make it and end and finish through chapter one of Ephesians and jump into chapter 2. So again, I am excited. Let the word continue to bless you. Continue to immerse yourself in the word until the word. I want us to remember that the goal of Ephesians is to make us fall in love with Jesus. Think about it. Everything you're learning, the goal of it is to make you fall more in love with Jesus, for you to have an undying love for him. Because the more you love him, the more you will surrender to him. And the more you live surrendered, the more you will be and do everything God has called you to be and everything God has called you to do. But you can't get to purpose without surrender. But you cannot get to surrender outside of love. So let's keep that in mind as we are continuing this journey. All of this information, all of this revelation, all of this insight is to cause your heart to become intoxicated with the love of Jesus. So guys, join me again next week, same place, same time for Scriptures Revealed as we allow the Word of God to explode on the inside of us, illuminate us, and bring us into greater realms of revelation so that we can love more, surrender more, and live in purpose more and more. Love you guys. I'll see you all next week.